Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Beloit Schools Community Talk. My name is Sarah Weiss, and I'm here with my two older brothers, Matthew and Michael. Our podcast, our newly formed podcast, is our second episode, uh, is a bi-weekly podcast giving airtime to the most critical community issue, education. Um, for the show, we have our shout-outs, our rundown, and then we're going to uh, break down a lot of what's been going on the past two weeks in our media. Okay. So to start us off, we'll kick it over to Michael. Awesome. So we got some cool, uh, cool things happening with some Beloit students that are doing some awesome work, uh, both in the arts. Um, so first off, we got uh, Matthew Wick uh, was selected to perform uh, his rap at uh, a showing of Hamilton in Chicago, and the class took a field trip to go see him. Uh, so shout out to Matthew. And then Cassie Reyes won the Congressional Art Competition for Wisconsin District 2. Uh, so quick background on this. Every congressional district uh, has an art competition each year. The member of Congress the representing that district picks a winner. That uh, piece of art is then hung um, in the hallway from the house office buildings and the tunnel that leads to the Capitol. Um, so it's a real cool collection of, you know, 400 some pieces of art um, from high school students from around the nation. And Beloit will be represented this year. So that's pretty awesome. 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 And then Matthew, you got us on the rundown today? For sure. So since the last time we've, we've met and we've chatted with you and with each other, there's actually been two sp- two meetings of the board. One is a special board meeting regarding the hiring of our superintendent. Um, the board established some priorities that they uh, deem that they're going to be looking for in terms of a candidate. Uh, the first one is that they're going to be a visionary leader with an unwavering belief that all children can learn. The second priority is that they're a compassionate leader committed to the well-being and development of each child. They're a collaborative educator who engages with students and staff and is highly visible. And the fourth priority being that they would be a collaborative community leader who's looking to advance the Beloit community's partnerships with the school district. So that was kind of the first meeting that they had. The second meeting was a joint meeting with the Board of Education as well as the Beloit City Council, where they're talking about the Beloit 2020 project. Uh, For those that don't know, that's kind of this thing thrown, getting, getting put out there a little bit more in terms of creating a more campus feel around 4th Street and around the high school uh, would involve a lot, of, a lot of movement, a lot of motion, some construction, limiting traffic. And so it's important that they're beginning to start conversations together as a, as a duo in terms of the board and the Boyd City Council. Awesome. Perfect. So as Matthew kind of alluded to, there's been a lot going on and um, there's been some interesting conversations back and forth in our community. So a new segment that we wanted to debut tonight um, is our media recap. If you're anything like me living in the city, you may hear about board issues in the district, um, but just from one place. And that's primarily the Beloit Daily News. Sometimes we hear from the teachers or the students, um, but it's hard to kind of parse through what's really going on. Um, And so, you know, for me and and this podcast, it's kind of a place where bulleters can work through some of those questions and feelings, uh, like 
like you're in this conversation bouncing ideas off of um, each other with us um, on on the air um, so we're gonna kind of talk it through and figure out what we can make out of it um, as individuals and there's a lot going on so we're gonna try to break it down as clearly as possible but to kind of set the stage um, I wanted to bring us to one letter to the editor from Ken Streeter and um, basically he was writing on in support of, of Pam and kind of defending Pam Charles, one of the board members, and also calling out um, the board president a little bit. Does anyone else have any other comment on that one? Of course I do. <laughs> um, so I think it's really interesting to hear um, other people and seeing what their perspective is. I know we are constantly keeping track of, okay, did you read this article today? This editorial came out, this letter came. Um, and it's really nice to see someone else paying attention to some of these things. Uh, personally, for me, I missed that in my last viewing of the of the board meeting like i missed the part where pam wasn't actually placed as a leader on any of the committees right um, which which if i can jump in like to me i guess i didn't know what to think of the letter and his stance on it i, I was just kind of confused like what do you think it was a petty move do you think it was as he puts it um, the board president being a playground bully or was it just i mean that conversation could have been had with pam before the board meeting. I don't know. Well, and then there's a moment there too where Pam may not want one of those roles, exactly. right? Like right. we don't really know, the full context isn't there, um, but it's one of those things too where uh, she is one of the most experienced board members at this point, right? If I'm not mistaken, um, <laughs> she's she's one of the leaders in a de facto sense, right? Yeah. She's, she's a, maybe a, a influencer on the board as insofar as she's been there a while. Yeah, I, I got two thoughts to jump in. Uh, first, you know, it could be that, you know, as, as we've kind of said, Pam has been on the board for a long time. She could be thinking, you know, I don't know how much longer I'm going to be on the board. Uh, so if one of the new members of the board could spearhead this committee and be, you know, could share that committee for a long time, you know, she could see value in that and could have chosen not to want to be that chairperson. Yeah, and, and just to note that she was one of the people who worked hard in setting up this new committee structure, too. Absolutely. Uh, and the second thing I think worth saying is, uh, you know, we're going to discuss this in a bit, but uh, Pam is often the single no vote or single yes vote uh, on a lot of board, you know, a lot of votes that come before the before the board so you know sometimes in those committee chairs you might see value in someone who is more of a you know unanimous builder uh so putting someone that doesn't have that history uh you know in that sort of chairmanship or you know leadership position but i also think though when you think about that um that could be one of the reasons why she was slighted right yeah like exactly it could be you know so i we don't know I, all the, everything that's going on right I, I don't and thankfully we have so many updated minutes and um packets of information on the board website and when i say that i say that totally sarcastically with a hard eye <laughs> roll um because it looks like the board actually isn't met for a couple months um 
so that's just something that I think is really interesting too in all of this in terms of keeping track of what's happening. I mean, we were, we were before the show trying to find uh, votes and who voted for what and when the vote took place and which meeting, and we can't find it because we don't have that information. votes or decisions that have happened um, where Pam has been kind of in the minority on some of those things. So there's the the new hiring of the HR director. Yep, so that happened in March at the March board meeting. Uh, the vote was five to one. Uh, so this was with the, the prior board members. So voting in the affirmative were uh, Klobuchar, Baskin, Andres, Sanchez, and then Shelly Cronin was absent. Uh, and then Pam gave a statement to the Beloit Daily News uh, explaining her no vote. I don't know if you want me to read that here, or if, if that'd be valuable. Uh, essentially, she said, you know, this is something that I think uh, we're in the midst of a superintendent search. A lot of times when you hire a superintendent, they want to bring in their own people. Uh, this is one of the higher paid positions in our district. We should leave this open until that superintendent is in place. Right. And, and for a little bit more context too, um, especially regarding Ken Streeter's letter. So there was this, this vote where Pam was a lone vote um, as a no. And then, at the meeting on April 24th, the one that we covered last time, um, where the new can't, the new board members were sworn in, there was also some points in the meeting where I felt, as I watched it, um, where, where that kind of division was um, highlighted a little bit more. Um, there was the remarks from Dennis Baskin thanking... Um, his supporters and and the board first his time and his service to the city and it seemed like there was you know maybe some pointed words there um, kind of underlings that didn't always include Pam and then there was also uh, Dorothy Harrell who spoke at that meeting who directly called out Pam's remarks about the HR hire yeah um, can I jump so, in and clarify two other things yeah yeah Oh, so two other points that I should have mentioned on the front end. Uh, one, um, Pam noted that the current HR director was going to stay on until July 1st. So hiring someone to get them in place prior to that was going to be an additional expense for the district. Um, the second thing was that uh, in Pam's remarks, she said, I voted against the hiring for this reason. And so she had mentioned prior about the superintendent and because i believe the hiring process was not was not fair to all candidates who interviewed um so that drew some uh some feedback from dorothy harrell at the meeting as well right and then we had our other kind of hiring part here is um for the beloit memorial high school principal right so carol campbell has put in her resignation effective at the end of the school year. And so that's another um, very notable position that's open. And the board was discussing um, 
whether or not to basically hire the principal before the new superintendent is in place or to let that new person come in and make the hire themselves. So I kind of wanted to ask you guys, like, one, I want to break it down a little bit, but like, I, I want to know, do you think that was the right decision? Do you think that was the wrong decision? You know, if you're casting a vote, what would you do? I'll start on that one, actually. Um, yeah, I think I side on the part of wanting uh, wanting the new person in charge to be able to hire some of these important positions. Um, I think there's a I think there's some merit to the conversation where a person who is coming in new and fresh maybe is unable to see full context or full picture yet. But I think they're also more likely to be able to look at something and go, this is kind of a mess right here. And so we're going to clean up this thing by this person who brings in this specific experience uh, and then allows them to reset their priorities and to be an effective leader in the district. Uh, but I also see a situation, too, where um, bringing on these people early, I would be nervous applying for a job where I don't know who my boss is yet. Does that make sense? Like, right. I would never yeah. want to be the principal if they're still looking for someone who's going to be the superintendent. I think they're, they're also Agreed. hitting a back end on their, on their hiring by bringing in these people. Yeah, and I'll just let to... Can go for it. Oh, yeah. Oh, uh, I was, I, yeah, okay, you can go. Go for it. Sorry, sorry. Okay, so one of my questions was, right, we knew Carol was, was not going to be the, the principal next year. We also knew that the superintendent position was going to be open. I'm confused as to kind of why we didn't jump on filling these positions prior, why there was this, it seems like there was quite a delay between when we knew this information and when we started taking action. I know that we hired a, a, a consulting firm to, to assist with this process because, you know, I, I think many would agree that we didn't get this right in, in the past when these two positions have been open. Um, so getting additional advice, especially with a relatively new and inexperienced board, I think is, is, is prudent. Um, but I, I also agree with, you know, some of the points that Matthew has made where, you know, you don't want to, you know, I, I would be suspect of someone who wants the job where they don't know who their boss would be. Um, also, do you think it's more of a desirable position for the new superintendent to be like, Hey, like you get to, you get to right away kind of make decisions about how you want the district run like you have that yeah. control also and it's it's not like a superintendent and then one high school principal of several high schools in a district it is right the Important point it is the high school principal for the only high school i will i i take that back we do have uh you know Roy chairman Adders academy and, and you know uh, some brewing charter schools in the area as well mm -hmm. It just seems like a total unforced error, though. I think this is the this is the part where you hire someone to come in and say, "Hey, do this thing. We want your we want your thoughts," and then we actively choose not to, right? Like, why are we why are we spending our money on having a consultant come in and say, "Do these things"? Where we're turning around and saying, that, oh, "That's yeah. also a fair point." By the way, yeah. like that's great. We're going to pay you your check. Like you're going to get paid, but we're also just going to not do what you say we should do. Right. I, so I, without them, what's the deal there? 
without them saying explicitly like this is why and uh, maybe that's just again maybe that's missing because it's not showing in yeah the i mean or it's not showing in the articles that boy daily news is putting out but it just doesn't make any sense I but guess, for real like voter, you'd be looking at be confused why like rather you don't have faith in the consulting firm you've hired yet you're continuing to keep them on retainer which is questionable or like you do have faith in them but you are voting against their opinion for some other like it's something's not adding up it just seems right. like values incongruent right like if you're going to spend the money and want to know what the firm is going to do you should do it and if you're not going to spend the money then do what you're going to do anyway but then don't pay the firm like there's just so many pieces that don't quite add up to me right uh, i'm curious to see where it all shakes out going forward right and I, I get that the firm is there to hire the superintendent but also i mean they've <laughs> they've been around situations like these i'm sure before and so their advice on on this on having a, a you know notable position open and like should we fill that or not to me like that is something that i would i would take their advice on like if they're not just advising and consulting on that one position like they're they're consulting for our district and also to michael's earlier point why can't an interim be named for the time being, for the principal, and t- in order to get, you know, the that superintendent in, I'm not sure where the talks of that were, if they were there or not. Um, I'm not sure on the, the, you know, having somebody who we already have, you know, an assistant principal step in and fill that role for for a little bit. I don't know if that's crazy, but it seemed like something should have been talked about. Okay, okay. So <clears throat> after that, we had um, a big code of conduct uh, issue happening in regards to a form that the administration put in place at, I believe, just the high school, where teachers were supposed to fill out the form before they contacted the school resource officer. Um, in terms of like major disciplinary um, issues, so so <laughs> this came into into place because um, Kyle Larson and Pam Charles both received an anonymous uh, email from a teacher who who basically told them and let them know about this form. Matthew, do you have something to add? Always. <laughs> Um, I just, I think it's really curious that we are allowing an administrator to change districts and board approved policies and procedures for enacting their code of conduct. I'm, I, if I'm a parent in the district, if I'm a citizen, which I'm not, but I, I have, I have a vested interest in it. This raises big concerns for me. Like you, if you are in charge of executing a certain set of policies and procedures and now you are actively just deciding to change that um you can't do that right like that's that's nothing not something you should be allowed to do as an administrator in the district and if there was a concern i'm concerned i am confused and a little bit concerned as to why it wasn't brought forward in the first place as an issue if it was such a big issue right so the board ended up tackling this and nixing the form 
Um, but like to Matthew's point, it is concerning that you know this policy change. If some may say that it wasn't a policy change, but if teachers have to change their reporting structure, um, which may you know just inhibit how they react to classroom situations that are disrupting the learning environment. Um, to me, that's a policy change. Um, why it wasn't brought forward the, to the proper channels. I think the other side of this too is whenever you create these forms, um, I think you're looking at a situation where you are allowing other biases to be present in the way that these policies are enacted and enforced, right? Like you have a situation where um, if all, all of a sudden, if if the uh, if a certain subset of students or a certain a certain demographic is having these forms pushed through versus a form that's not, why is that happening? Um, you know, I think when you create this other layer of bias, essentially, and a choice of whether or not to process that form or go home or whatever, you're now inserting your you're inserting more people's opinions and things into a process that because it is related to student codes of conduct, it should be unbiased. There should be a, a, a certain uh, kind of perspective and expectation that it's enacted fairly across all bodies of students. And when you put in a process like that, I it, it makes me a little bit kind of like, ooh, why is it happening like that? Um, I'm glad to also read that the police chief feels the same way as I do on that because um, he had kind of a similar thought as it, he indicated in one of the articles that came out last week. Yeah, but I mean, to kind of use that same logic for the opposite argument, I guess, um, you know, when this form was first discussed, interim superintendent Dr. Williams kind of alluded to the fact that they're it, the administration did it because they felt like some populations of students were being, um, you know, immediately called the SRO for, whereas other students, you know, could do the same types of things but were not being called. Um, but there was there was nothing further, and I guess I'm I'm like that's kind of a big deal. And right, where? So, sorry, sorry. Yeah, no, I'm just in? like, yeah, jump in. All right, so my question is, like, how often, like, I, I just need more information. Like, how often is the SRO officer called or right. student resource right. officer called? And if there is this bias, bias being shown on, like, who it's being called on, like, is the best way to keep students safe while addressing that bias by implementing a, an additional form that needs to be filled out? Or is it just, yeah. like, to me, it seems like the first step would be, like, having your next professional development training exactly. on this specific issue and saying, here's an incident that happened. I'm not calling out teachers, but, like, student A did this thing and was called, and the SRO, SRO was called. Student B did this thing, different student, different race, SRO, not called. Like, we right. need, this needs to be consistent across, you know, all departments, all, all class levels, you know, for sure. I couldn't tell, you know, when, when I was reading about this, I, I just couldn't tell if this was an administration power grab or was this just kind of a check that administration wanted on teacher biases that 
went wrong in implementation. I really couldn't tell the intentions, um, and I wish I had more info. And like Michael said, kind of like the, the, data. the data. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. And I think can that be FOIA? Do we need to FOIA that? We might need to FOIA that. Matthew, you got the form up? <laughs> oh yeah, we got it. We'll figure it out. We'll do it after the show. Um, I think it's interesting though too in in talking about I am in my in my real life work. Um, I'm a process and uh, conduct officer type role, right? Like I regularly have to mm-hmm. hold students accountable for poor decisions, and I think it's just really interesting that uh, we're just I, as a as a leader in a in an area or in an institution in a school uh, that where's where's the follow up back with that administrator now obviously they're not going to be putting that in the bully daily news and the board can't talk about that but this is one of those things that I I sit back and wonder like if the if we're not following our own rules what what are we doing like what are we doing um, and so I it makes me nervous just. All in all, regardless of the intent, the fact that it's happening says a lot more to me than just um, that we're having issues with this, right? Like it's, I think it's something that we're trying to clearly change or that we're trying to modify a culture, but we're not necessarily doing it in the most positive way. Right. Yeah, and I think at the, I mean, the, at the very basic level, like we want students to be safe and ready to learn. And we need to make sure that the teachers and the classrooms also feel safe and ready to teach. Right. And if there's an issue about who's being called or who's being sent to the to the office for what reason, like, like I, I mean, I think the the issues rega- around that discussion. I mean, you, you can't lose sight of keeping teachers and students safe. Right. So, so all in all. You know, that, that was next, but which was a good move by the board. But, you know, there's still problems and still work to be done on code of conduct and the processes that we have, definitely, as Michael said, to keep students and, and staff safe. Uh, I, I need, I need to, to jump us over to our last kind of point that I want to get to today, and that is this Bullet 2020 plan, right? Um, they had the board had a joint meeting with the city council and again i i I wanted more answers and more information about um what was happening i guess i've read the article and i don't know if you guys can help me clarify some of my confusions you know i basically you know they they talked about how they wanted to do a trial run of turning 4th Street into the pedestrian walk and having that street cut off to cars. Um, But they also mentioned that, you know, the plan had to include renovations and improvements to the um, artery roads, (laughs) the connecting roads to Middle, North, and 6th Street. But I was confused on if that's happening, are those renovations happening before or after the trial run? And what's, what good is it to do a trial run without the improvements? Because without the improvements, it's not going to work, right? Am I crazy? It's not going to work. I mean, I don't know. Right? So <laughs> there was, they had stats about how many accidents there had been on 4th Street in front of the high school, right? And 
I don't have the yeah, stats down in front on of me. By Liberty. Right yes. There. Yeah. But I mean, I remember thinking, wow, that's kind of a staggering issue. I'm surprised that this has not been addressed. But then you read on and it's like it has been addressed and it's been shot down a number of times, right? So exactly. clearly like this rather isn't a good idea or the or the public doesn't think it's a good idea and we need to do we, you know, the people that are pro I'm openly grouping myself in that camp need to do a better job explaining to folks why this is important, why it's about, I mean, it's about safety. Mm-hmm. Right, exactly. I mean, it's, it, it's been a little bit since I was a student there, obviously. Um, but I, even just being around there at the school let out time uh, in the last couple of weeks, uh, it's, it's chaos down there still. Um, and students, students aren't looking and cars aren't looking and it's a lot of new drivers all driving in that area too. Like, I think that's something that we always have to keep in mind. Oh yeah. A lot of students there are, it's their first, maybe even year, six months, couple weeks as a driver. There are Um, no yonder pouches in their cars. Yeah. There's no yonder pouches in the car. So they're looking and responding to texts. (laughs) Um, you know, so I think it's, it's one of those things where, uh, we need to continue to keep an eye on it too. Um, I see where all of the drama and all of the pushback on the 2020 kind of vision is. I totally get it. Um, there's part of me that thinks that one of the things that this will do is it continues to put more polish on an already awesome school. I think our school needs to look the part. We already know that it's a great place to learn. Uh, but I think it's one of those things where if we can continue to bolster it in a physical sense, uh, people looking at mo- either moving to Beloit or considering which school to send their kid to. Uh, or which school to work at. Or which yeah. school to work at, or which school to be the principal of. Uh, <laughs> you know, I think it's one of those where continuing to put the, put, putting money and putting effort into bolstering the physical presence can't hurt. Right. So that's definitely something that, that we'll be checking in on as those Beloit 2020 plans go through. There will be more joint meetings. Um, as the Board of Education works with the City Council. But we've talked a lot. We've we've discussed many of the articles and happenings that have been going on in the district. And so we're going to leave you on that note, unless either of my brothers have, one like, a last word or something. Parting um, shot. Matthew, yeah. do you have a parting shot? <laughs> I mean, I think my parting shot is next time we commit to recording something slightly slightly shorter than 30 minutes. Yeah. So uh, we apologize <laughs> no, we today, everybody. We have a lot to say today. All right. My, my parting shot is I, I think that there are a lot of incredibly smart and educated and committed people that are interested in helping out Beloit and the Beloit schools. Uh, it was unfortunate that the board voted against allowing some of those members to sit on the as the community member on um, the committees um, because you, you could easily have someone in the town of Beloit or in South Beloit or in Janesville that could bring a lot of expertise to some of these areas um, and to not have their voice heard on those uh, committees I think is unfortunate there you go um, we're gonna I'm gonna leave us right there um, we are Beloit schools community talk Thanks for listening and happy Tuesday.